Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens, in the history of the church, things get messy. And after the last couple of synods, nobody's going to disagree that things are really getting messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. It's also important for you to know that you are our marketing plan. We rely on you to spread the word about what we're doing at the Messy Reformation. We rely on you to share our content. We also rely on you to give us five-star reviews and provide good feedback for our podcast so that the algorithms push our content out into the world. You are our marketing plan. You can also support us financially on Patreon. All the money from Patreon is being used to fund online hosting and to build the platform of the Messy Reformation. You may even see a Messy Reformation conference coming in 2024. So keep your eyes peeled for an announcement. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part one of our conversation with John Clompy. So, John, why don't you kick us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and the church that you're at. Sure. Great. Well, thanks again, Jason, for having me on. I I would uh, just say I am the son of a preacher, a Christian Reformed Church minister, um, and a, a mom who was a piano teacher. So we traveled about in Christian Reformed churches quite a bit. I uh, said I'd never be a preacher. Um, ended up um, going through school and uh, getting a psychology degree. And uh, then, um, yeah, kind of felt tugged when we lived in California, tugged toward considering youth ministry because the church was asking me to help out. So I got a certificate in youth ministry after I had already received a psychology degree. I got a certificate in youth ministry at Reform Bible College, now Kuiper. And then I went out there and did some of that work. And um, as I was involved in youth services and youth work, the, the church kept saying, you know, you really teach well. Would you ever consider preaching? And I promised I never, ever would. And uh, that sent me to seminary. And uh, so I went to uh, Westminster Seminary in California. Then um, while I was there, uh, some friends of mine said, there's this gal, um, you met her at Dort and she's really great. And I said, well, then why would she want to talk to me? And, <laughs> and they said, uh, well, you know, we're, we're talking on your behalf. It won't be too bad. You know, we'll make you sound better than you are. You might have a chance. So um, anyway, I, I, my wife is now Janine uh, and my wife and I have five children um, she, um, was living at the time kind of alongside of a good friend of hers who was a pastor's wife. And she kind of had this in mind that maybe being a pastor's wife wouldn't be, uh, such a bad idea. In fact, she, she, she respected her friend's husband. And, and so that gave me a leg up as a, as a seminary student. And, and now, uh, we have served churches in, um, West Michigan, two churches in West Michigan, um, Byron Center First Christian Reformed Church. And then North Street Christian Reformed Church uh, in Zealand. And now we are living in Iowa at Calvary Christian Reformed Church in Orange City. And yeah, we have um, 
now three who have graduated from high school, one attending Dort here, another Northwestern. And um, we have two left uh, in in uh, eighth grade and in junior in high school. So yeah, that's that's our family. That's kind of a little bit of my background, probably longer than you wanted. No, that's good. I I would be curious. Uh, you said you you promised you would never be a preacher. What what was behind that that promise? Well, my dad really enjoyed it. He was he 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 seemed to always have a great time doing it. It wasn't that. It's just I think um, you know maybe goes to my psychology degree. You want to differentiate a little bit. You want to be sure that you're doing something that's unique to your gifts and talents, and you know you you don't want to just sort of go into what you saw your your family do or the family business, if you will. Um, my dad has some jokes about that. He says, um, you always heard me preach and you thought, shoot, I can do better than that. So you finally were compelled to preach. But but all joking aside, um, there were also people in my childhood, on my paper route, um, a lady named Gertie Van Orden uh, from Sully, Iowa. She would pinch my cheek sort of and tell this little Johnny, you know, you're going to be a preacher like your daddy. And I just, I don't know, just wanted to be sure I differentiated that I wasn't just doing the easy or what, what it seemed to be the family business, if you will. And I, I see the Lord having brought dividends on that because uh, that confirmed that it really was of the Lord. I mm-hmm. I resisted it. I didn't want to do it, but um, now I, I can't imagine doing another thing. So, so you know, God really confirmed that it was for me. Yeah, that's a huge gift. I, I've been thinking a lot about that a lot um, over the years. I, uh, I too had a, a pretty significant uh, call to ministry. I, I, I've told people, um, I've told people I've never been more certain of anything else in my life. And I fought it and resisted it for a long time. And then when I finally submitted, I was like, okay, I know that this is what God wants me to do. Um, yeah, the word submit is a beautiful word. Actually, that was in my devotions this morning. Funny that you should bring it up, but anyway, yeah. Learning to, to say your will be done is very Christ-like. It's a discipleship moment. And, and um, yeah, if we don't start there, then why continue? Yeah. Well, and I love how the catechism says that too, when we pray your will be done, it's that we would, that we would follow God's will without any back talk. As well. <laughs> so it's, it's like, we won't like, we're going to not be middle schoolers who are like, fine, I'll do what you want me to do. And then kind of moan about it as we do it. No, we're going to say, oh, it's good for us to follow your will. Beautiful. Um, exactly. And that, uh, but that strong calling has really been one of the things in my life that has helped me continue on in the ministry. I've told people if I wouldn't have had that strong calling, I would have left so many times because things are hard. And, and I've been in a few really messy church situations before. And uh, there's times where you're like, you know what? I'm just, I want to leave. I'm just going to go do something. I, <laughs> I've worked a lot of jobs over them. I could do a lot of different things. Um, I'm just going to go do that. And uh, I've told this story a bunch of times on the podcast where my wife has been the one to remind me, like, you don't have that kind of authority to choose what you want to do. God gave you a job to do. Now do it. Even when it's hard and even when it's difficult, you still have to do it. And that's uh, it's really the reason why I'm still in ministry. No, I, I would echo that totally. If it, to say that I, I love ministry, indeed, I do. And I, I love um, I love all, all the people. My grandma always said, you've got to love them all, John, but some you won't like. And <laughs> But I, I do. I find that um, I've been very blessed to serve in churches 
that have been so healthy and and with so many godly leaders that I've actually grown a lot. I've probably been preserved from much of the, you called it messy. Maybe that's in your head, even with the title of this podcast, right? Messy Reformation. Life isn't easy. It's messy. Uh, but But in those hard times, to go back and say, I remember thinking A or B, but God made C absolutely clear to me. And um, I would be uh, not only unfaithful, but but I would be personally, you know, sort of walking away from a clear call he gave me. And so I'd be walking sort of away from him. And ooh, that's who, want, who would do life without him? As Moses said, if you won't go with us, don't send us on from here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, I've always wondered, uh, actually, it's been a curiosity, so don't quote me on this. I'm not saying this with any level of authority, but I know uh, when I was taking different biblical studies courses, they always said when Paul started his letters, he always started his letters, Paul, an apostle called by God. And they would always say, well, he's doing that to kind of show that he has authority to speak to these people, you know. Um, that's why he's doing that. And I'm like, I just, I'm starting to wonder more and more, is he doing that just to remind himself? Yeah, I'm called by God <laughs> to these people. And then when he writes to Timothy and Titus, you know, he writes to Titus, he's like, you're in, you're in Crete and they're just a bunch of liars and filthy people. They're terrible, but you're called by God to be there. So don't forget, I was called by God to enter into some difficult spots and you're called by God to enter into some difficult spots. So keep fighting the good fight, right? Um, I, I, I think that's a good observation and I would concur. I, I'll, I'll even say maybe you're helping me think on that because, you know, as Martin Lloyd-Jones said in his book, Spiritual Depression, he said um, that instead of just listening to our depressive moods in the morning or whatever time of day, Paul had reasons, you know, having been attacked often, we need to preach to ourselves the truth. You know, we need to remind ourselves, you know, this is what God called me to and this is who I am. I'm his ambassador. And and that wasn't my choice. And so I can rest in his choosing, not mine. And oh, what a comfort then to uh, to move forward, um, knowing that, you know, a lot. I, I almost get the idea Paul was reading Jeremiah's call sometimes too. You know, he, he's saying, hey, you call yourself a child, but I call you something else. I call you mine. I call you my apostle and ambassador. So, um you know, live up to what I've called you. Preach to yourself what I've called you. Mm-hmm. And and God tells him because I've I've really resonated with uh, Jeremiah's call over the years. Not only that Jeremiah says, "I'm I'm too young. I'm not worthy." And God's like, "No, I've when you were a child, when you were in your mother's womb, I called you." But then at the end, He says, "Oh, and guess what? You're calling. Nobody's going to listen to you." <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to make your, your like your forehead like bronze. I'm going to strengthen you. And uh, you're going to keep preaching this message and nobody's going to listen to you, but I'm going to equip you to be strong enough to keep going through it. I'm actually in Jeremiah right now with my devotions. And this awesome. morning, Jeremiah's like, oh Lord, why do you have me here? And why, why are you doing this? You know? And, and God's like, you just keep preaching. You keep saying what I told you to say and doing Good what I told word. you to do. And because uh, I've got you. Great word. I needed that. Thank you. That's encouraging. Yeah. Well, it's a reminder for all of us, even as we kind of transition, maybe to talk about all of this stuff going on in the Christian Reformed Church, right? And all the stuff that just happened at Synod. It's a reminder for us that um, it's not our, it's not up to us um, to, to, to make people listen to us either. And, and it's not up to us to try to do all this. The Lord really is in control of that. 
Um, our calling is to be faithful and the Lord will give us uh, what we need to, to oh, do the work. That's right. I love, uh, yeah, faithfulness. Again, the more I study the New Testament, the one who endures to the end, mm-hmm. not the one who, uh, you know, um, has the biggest church, not the one who, um, you know, affects the greatest Twitter following. Um, the one who endures to the end, who is faithful, as you said, mm-hmm. that's very encouraging. He will be receiving the crown of life. He'll receive the Lord's approbation right in front of his face. Yeah. Amen. They'll hear, you know, the words, well done, uh, good and yeah. faithful servant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And that's a really a uh, reminder for us as we kind of look at Synod, that's our, was our goal. I would say, you know, my goal as I went into Synod was that I would live and act and serve in a way that I could hear the words of the Lord, like, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, what, what advisory committee did you serve on at, at Synod? I was on number seven. Okay. Um, and so just so everybody knows that the, you know, committee seven was the one dealing with, uh, the human sexuality matters. It was a lot of the, it was all of the overtures for the most part that were addressing the decisions of Synod 2022. Uh, before we even dive into some of that, though, I'd be curious, what was your initial thought when you saw that you were on Committee 7? Oh, well, I had a I had a few thoughts, you know. Um, I had the privilege. Um, I used the word advisedly, you know, thinking from God's perspective. I had the privilege to serve the second year in a row now. I was at 22 and now 23. Um, but, you know, humanly speaking, I, I wasn't at our classes meeting um, I had a, an other, um, pressing matter. And so what was my impression when I was told you're going to Synod uh, again, a second year in a row? Um, I would say, generally speaking, I don't thrill to, um, to going to Synod per se. I, I, I've learned to be thankful for Synod and have, have grown and been blessed as I go. I, I've been uh, grateful for opportunities to do it, but it's not something I seek out. And, um, then I found out, yeah, you're on committee seven, human sexuality. I I thought, wow, <laughs> I didn't look really very closely, but it seems to me that there were a lot of overtures. And of course, then then we found out just how many, uh, a large majority of the overtures, it seemed, were, were, yeah, regarding human sexuality and things around that. So then I was overwhelmed somewhat. I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm the person to be on this committee. I've been on finance committee so many other times, but uh, yeah, we trust the Lord has called us for a reason. And, and so, uh, yeah, it, 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 I came home from Synod um, grateful, thanking the Lord for the opportunity he gave and uh, really had a good experience on that committee as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love you. You know, I, we know that we can't talk about all, any of the fine granular details of the committee work, um, but, you know, uh, the chair of your committee, Willem Delman, had said, you know, we had a really great spirit in the room. And uh, I'd just love for you to maybe dive into, what, did you feel that same experience as you guys were discussing that there was a good spirit in the room? And I did. I did. Yeah, I would concur with Willem. He, he uh, was, I would say he was very um, fair. He was thoughtful. And, you know, the blessing of being involved in um, a committee that he led was that he wanted us to be heard. He wanted each person to be able to speak, but he also wanted us to listen well and um, to process 
or process. He was Canadian, so he's processing. Yep. But uh, <laughs> so no, um, I grew to to uh, respect him and appreciate his leadership. And I would say um, the challenge for the committee was that because we had so many overtures and material, uh, we weren't able in the first days of synod. For those who aren't acquainted with synod, the first days are spent in committee work. Um, we weren't able to really be at some meals that the rest of the delegates were at, just regular meals where you you just enjoy um, getting to know people from many different parts of the continent and even elsewhere. We weren't able to do that. We were out in our committee. And so we would even sometimes take our food there or eat quickly and, and, and get to committee. Then the first day of that Monday of Synod, we weren't even at the first half of the day because we were busy working and we worked into that night. We had some late nights too. So the late night conversations for the first few days we weren't able to have. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but I guess I just would say um, it was, it was a unique experience mm-hmm. to be that busy um, on committee. Some of our work was handed to committees that got done early um, but then they were still done with that extra work before we were done with the the bulk of ours. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very, it's a very different experience, right? Especially if you've been on finance because finance right. usually has a pretty low workload. Um, and even like for me, I've said, you know, my experience last year, I was on education and candidacy, which um, we still had a fairly decent workload, but we still ended early on Saturday. We were able to have all of our work done um, by supper time on Saturday. And so we had Saturday evening open. Um, and so, yeah, you were able to take your time. There, there was something about last year where I had such a smaller workload in my committee that I was able to, to have a broader conversations with a whole bunch of other people. But this year, because yeah, we had not quite as many overtures as you guys, but close. I mean, we had a ton, we had like 30 something to deal with in our committee. And, uh, so we created, committee were you on? I was on committee eight. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you were busy too. Yeah. So we had, uh, we had just a super heavy workload and, um, and that meant that I had like zero interactions with anybody outside of my committee until like Wednesday, (laughs) because it was just like me and my committee and, uh, and I was chairing the committee. So that was even, even different, actually chairing the committee was a very lonely experience. I, um, especially that heavy of a committee, just, it was just one of those, you kind of felt like you were alone cause you couldn't like share your opinion. You had to be unbiased. You were trying to work things out. You're trying to get other work done. And so it was really, thankfully I have a, a good wife. I was able to call her and talk with her and, uh, I had a good sweet mate who, uh, who supported me when I came back completely wore out and exhausted. He would, he would come in and we'd sit and, and talk for a while. So that was helpful. Let me say that I honor you. I honor you for being willing to allow your name to stand to be a committee leader because I could see what you 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 mean. And and our committee seven uh, co I guess I call it vice chair or whatever. When he spoke in front of Senate, he he broke down. He talked about the challenges that he faced one night just going by himself after you know, a long night and just processing and finding himself just tearing up, crying, you know, in, in a booth saying, wow, this is heavy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is Christ church. He said he would build it. 
And as you said earlier, we have to keep preaching that to ourselves. But on on the on the other hand, he uses means and and um, you chairs have a lot of responsibility. And I, I thank you for doing it. Yeah. Well, it was a lesson. Um, it's a lesson in humility and, and trusting the Lord as well. Because I said it's uh, it was a situation where I repeatedly was like, Lord, I can't do this. I'm not equipped for this. I have no, this is way beyond my ability to be able to lead this, to get this work done. And so you're the whole time is just praying, you know, Lord, help, Lord, help, Lord, help, give us wisdom. And, uh, and then all of a sudden the work gets done, you know, and you're like, okay, Lord, you got the work done. Uh, well, we appreciate that. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if I'm taking liberties here, but let me just say this about our committee, and I don't know how it went in yours, but I'd say on our committee, what I really enjoyed um, and was not expecting was the amount of um, movement in my my own heart and mind as we listened to each other, as we talked. I found, um, and I certainly saw it in the in the group, um, just a sort of a shift in where we thought we were going and then a shift back to where we did go. And um, there's a reason we meet together as classes, as councils, but also as a larger body at Synod, because um, the spirit does lead that deliberation and the Holy spirit uses us to, you know, the iron sharpening iron. Um, It's maybe more than any other year. I noticed that this year I've been to four synods. So, yeah, yeah, we experienced the similar in our, in our group as well. Where we thought we were at the beginning was not where we ended, and uh, and that um, I have said uh, on this podcast too. That's a result of the Spirit at work, um, working and guiding our deliberations and and our hearts and minds. And uh, it it really is. I you know I know there's some people who want to question the validity of the last two synods and all of that, but man, my experience has has been that. I've really, truly felt the spirits leading and guiding um, through the deliberate. Yeah. Just through the process of deliberation. Yeah. So what, uh, what did you, what encouraged you about this past synod? I would say, you know, first, first of all, I was encouraged right off the bat that, um, I noticed that the worship and the leadership of worship um, seemed to be focused on um, worship, not agendas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I appreciated that. Um, I, uh, I guess I was encouraged by, um, so I'm talking sort of granular here, but I suppose I'd just say overall, I was encouraged that Synod didn't flip-flop one year to the next on the matter of my committee's work uh, this year, human sexuality. I felt that the amount of biblical um, theological foundation that was laid by the um, human sexuality report in 2022, um, it was just so, um, so thorough. It was so biblical. It was um, gospel um, centered that I thought, uh, it would just be a shame if it it began to feel like the denomination goes back and forth in terms of, you know, sort of political waves rather than I think a, a more, um, 
God-fearing biblical uh, mentality, it, it would be a shame if it, if it flip-flop again this year. And I felt like this year there was really that same sort of um, commitment to looking to what God has said and responding to whether it's overtures or even the uh, Neeland Avenue appeal um, with a, a sober and a humble before God type mentality. And I, I felt like um, having been at both of them, that, that there was a consistency that we are going to speak to things from God's word with an awe of him and a love for our neighbor that has to, um, yeah, to ad- encourage one another, to admonish one another in love. And, and I just felt like we didn't, we didn't kind of seesaw. Mm-hmm. And I hope and I pray that, that our denomination sees here a way forward. And, yeah. and that gives me, I guess I would call um, some optimism for the Christian Reformed Church um, going forward. Yeah, it is encouraging. Um, if it would have been one of those like flip flop kind of moments, it would have thrown everybody. I mean, I think everybody still left kind of thrown for a loop a little bit, but, but yeah. we still set a clear, you know, I had heard a, a number of people, I won't even say their names, but they're, they're people who are up higher in the denomination. And they, after Synod, they said like, well, nobody can doubt now what the Christian Reformed Church believes regarding human sexuality. Like after the synod, how definitive all of that was. Nobody can doubt where we're at. We've kind of really set, here's where we are. Um, Well, we're going to go. And, and the thing that strikes me, I agree. That size vote, because the the vote was asked for at one point. And and that was an interesting moment in synod as well, where uh, I believe it was the Neyland Avenue uh, appeal. Mm -hmm. And then the vote was made. And I believe it was at uh, that first part of that appeal, um, someone stood up and mentioned, we want to hear the vote. And that individual um, seemed to express a, a disdain for Synod's um, sort of uh, rejection of the appeal. But um, then, you know, someone f- uh, from another perspective, uh, more of a, we need to hold uh, against this appeal. Um, conservative, if you will, uh, got up and said, yeah, we, we need to see this vote. And so you had people from, from each side on this issue saying, we need to see a vote. We want to see a vote. And though our chair had kind of said, they, as I recall, we weren't going to go there. In this case, it was voted that we were going to hear the vote. And the vote was, was a solid agreement and a very, very uh, great majority that we are going to hold to the biblical understanding of human sexuality. And, and I think if, if anybody who doesn't see that happening at this synod um, just isn't looking at, at the numbers, yeah. it was a clear vote. And, and the interesting to me again, is the one thing that could be agreed on by all parties or both sides of this matter, if you will, was we need to see where we're at as a denomination. And the vote was clear. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said that um, on the floor, right? It's live streamed. It's all public. They said, Hey, it seems as though um, I'm a minority in this denomination. And I want to know how much of a minority I am is what, what they had said. And so that was one of the reasons why they're calling for it. And again, it was that very similar number that we've been seeing that 70, 30 kind of a a split the denomination. And so, 
I know there, there are people who are questioning that still. Um, but I think, boy, every time we've seen a vote, it's been that split every time, every count we've seen has been split that way. And so, um, I, I think it's very clear for, I, it should be very clear to anybody that this is, this is where we're at as a denomination. Yeah. What remains to be seen practically, in my opinion, Jason, is that I've had um, only months before synod, an individual whose congregation um, moved out of our church, out of the denomination after last year's decision. That individual moved to a, an RCA with his church, his church moved, um, saying, we didn't move because we so much disagreed with the decision uh, that the human sexuality report be adopted. We moved because we're sick of talking about it. Hmm. And we want to go on. And this person's um, going to the RCA. Um, interesting. Um, another church that left the CRC within the last 14, 16 months to go sort of frustrated by that we're even talking about this issue because it should be so clear biblically that it's it's wrong for a, a man and a man or a woman and a woman to marry. Um, they've, they've left because we're talking about this too long. We've been talking about this too much. Now, the question is, if we've made these two statements two years in a row, um, will we be allowed to move forward in applying it so that we don't have to discuss the basics again? And I, I hope and I pray that our denomination will be moving more toward things like, um, you know, how do we do our, our, you know, evangelism? How do we do, I thought um, from Florida, Scott, um, Vanderplug. Vanderplug had some really great things to say on that. And I, I would concur with him. I'd say, that's right, Scott. We've got to be moving forward. This is a clear matter from scripture, but it's not the matter. Let's keep moving. Yeah. We've got to grow and we've got to go with the gospel. So uh, it's one implication of the gospel, but it's not the implication. Amen. Yeah. And it, what's, what's really funny is this is, this is how conservatives see this, but we keep getting accused. Why do you guys got to make such a big deal about one issue? And like, we don't want to make big deal about this one issue. We actually want to be done with this because we we're we're not moving where we're at. This is we've come to these conclusions. We're not budging. We actually want to deal with some of these bigger issues. As like Scott Vanderplug said, this is the issue of the Christian Reformed Church. Yeah. How do we bring the gospel into our communities? And, and again, and and again, if we could see that this more progressive if I dare to say liberal person who left after last year's decision, frustrated that we keep talking about it. So it's, it's on both sides. Let's yeah. not make this our existence or identity. We've yeah. decided like we do other Senate decisions. Let's move forward. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I hope that's the case. Um, I, there's a, there is still a contingency, I would say in the Christian reformed church that sees, sees dialogue as the like the epitome of everything we need to keep we need to stay in dialogue we still need to keep talking about things and and uh i just i slowly start to lose patience with that i'm like we we can't keep talking about things at some point we almost become like uh the areopagus right where it says they love to sit around and talk about all the new ideas of the day and it's like that's not who we should be 
um, just talking about everything. Uh, God has called us to not just speak, but to act um, and to do his, according to his word. And when we've acted with clarity and we believe God's word does speak so clearly, dialogue can be diabolic. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's recall the first dialogue <laughs> in mm. scripture. You know, can't we talk a little more? Did God really say we, we, we are in danger and it would be to our spiritual detriment to merely uh, make this a synodical decision. This is a matter of faithfulness to God's word. And if we um, are willing to dialogue on, on matters of the Bible, who are we really dialoguing with finally? We've got to be clear um, that this is biblically um, obvious. That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is head on over to themessyreformation.com, look in the menu bar and find Join the Reformation. By clicking on that, you can sign up for our newsletter where you'll get episodes sent right directly to your email inbox, and it will give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head on over there and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for part two of our conversation with John Clompey. But until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. <laughs>